Hello, welcome to the Shamcast. I'm Tony Shop Ralph Nardellan. And I'm the Mega Toyota. That's it. The neighbors, they're going to kick me out of here. No, gonna, oh, that they, wasn't even loud. They're going to close down to Shump Studio. I'm bloody sick of it, you know. Mate, this is screen. soundproof. You've got you know? bloody those egg cartons everywhere. Yeah, egg cartons, egg cartons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. I saw a little bit about the egg cartons. No, I don't uh, want to hear it. Uh, my dad built a studio back in the 80s. Yeah, and, that's um, why I said And my brother was uh, started studying HSC, you know. Yeah, And me and yeah. my brother, my younger brother, and my old, sorry, my middle brother were playing the guitar. Because you're the youngest. The drums. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and we're bashing away. And he kept yeah. coming in, coming in, coming in. Yeah, he said, yeah. man, I'm studying. I'm trying to study BCE. You know, you know, the way I'm going, I'm going to fail with all this noise. So you you're know, bloody so, drumming and, yeah, he's, yeah. and he's learning. So yeah. he, he gave us about three or four warnings and he came in uh, the, uh, the fourth time with a box of matches. Oh, my God. What was he going to do with a box of matches? Well, he, he said, uh, I'm telling you now to stop. Or else I'm going to burn this thing down. Oh, my right? God. So, the other uh, bones. He's a firebug. I kept the fucking ass off you, you know. Okay. So he got the uh, the uh, the badge. He put up to the head cone and he's looking at us. I said, "I'm telling you now, I'm going to I'm going to burn." What, the what do you mean he put it on the head cone? He put the mat, the, the flame on the, the, on the head cone. And next minute, guess what happened? What? The thing starts going up. Oh my god! So the behind it, he comes his chipboard. Shit! Oh my god! <laughs> Next minute, the whole thing going up in there. Anyway, we ran in, we chucked the water shop. on there. The old man came out, yeah. he saw it, and he went bananas, mate. He uh, knocked the whole thing down. Oh, my God. Sad, yeah, what, no insurance? Down. Well, we just knocked, there was only a little, uh, in the corner of the garage. You made out, it was yeah. like a big fire. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. that's, uh, that's uh, a little story there about, um, Shit about the, yeah, back then. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, we've got Tony Tay on the show today. Tony Tadio, what a man. The dulcet yeah. tones of oh, Tony Tadio. Oh, yes, Tardio. I'm so excited because he comes from the same part of Italy that I, I come from. My yes. Son Marco and Lamas. Yes, yeah. yes. He's a Fulgiani. Yeah, Fulgiani. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know where that is? Well, it's usually the mountain people. Usually yeah, yeah, the one yeah. with those goats and that. They back yeah. up India. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's in between Laylor and uh, Thomastown. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're a comedian, aren't you? Yeah, a comedian. Yeah, so we're very excited to have you. Anyway, here. you guys say Tony Tardio. You know, the real pronunciation of his name is Antonio Tardio. That's how he's really? supposed to. Yes, it's true. Well, you're mm. from San Marquesi or wherever you're bloody... San Mark or Lama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lama, yeah. Well, no, well, that's they're, they're, how they say it. Yeah, they don't yeah, say, Tony Tardio. Yeah. Eh? You know what I mean? They say, Antonio Tardio. From San Mark and Lamas, where I'm from, and I'm very excited about having yes. the show. all you so, mountain people. Anyway. Let's bring him on. Hello, Tony Tardio. Welcome to Shumpton. Hey! No, I'm giving him a clap. I don't care. <laughs> Tony Tardio. Ask him a question. Uh, hello, hello, guys. Hello, Tony. Hello, Dom. Hello to all of the uh, is it thousands of listeners. Oh, no, yeah. at least five. No, no, yeah. no. We got more than that. Now, Tony, uh, you started in um, uh, Alice Springs in 1982 on radio station. 8HA. Yeah, that's right. It was a hard, it was a hard radio station to say. So 8HA. You try and say that a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. I just tried to say it then. Don't you say it, Tony? 8HA. No, no, not you. AHA, was the centre of Australia, the AHA, and uh, it's still there, 900 on the AM band. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you ever go to Alice Springs, you land at the airport, yep. you drive toward the town, it's on the left-hand side between the town and the airport in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And there's a cemetery right next door. And oh, wow. because of that cemetery, I used to shit my pants at night quite often. Oh, but I turned yeah. off the radio. Can I actually... It's okay for me to say that. You're allowed to say shit, yes, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I was, my job was to work at night. I used to be on air from 8 p.m. until 1 a.m. And then I turned the station off because we didn't have, like, 
it after one o'clock. Yeah, and cool. when I turned the station off, there was just me, no noise, <laughs> and I'd run from the front door to an old Land Rover that I bought. <laughs> and I used to hope like anything that the Land Rover used to start because <laughs> I was in the middle of nowhere. Wow, that sounds pretty scary. But did you, did, were you, were you uh, living up there? What were you doing up there as far as the um, radio station goes? Well, I went up there for the job, actually. The job. I arrived. I mean, I'm, I'm a weird thing for dates. I remember dates, times, stupid things, you know. Yeah. My head is full of this stuff. I arrived on the 20th of February, 1982. Shit. And as soon as I, I arrived, I had a suit on. You know, I've never been in an aeroplane before, never flown. Yep. Flew TAA, cost about $700. Can you believe that? Wow. Yeah. About 10 years ago, I went back and it cost me $29 to get there, $29 to get back, <laughs> and $150 for the car park. <laughs> mm. now, yeah. now, your voice was described like an Italian hot chocolate, smooth as silk, passionate, you know, like, what, what's the matter with your voice? You sound a bit crook. Is that, it, well, well. Funny you should ask that because this morning, this morning, yeah, I woke up with a sore throat and a bit of a runny nose, and I thought, uh, gee, I, I have escaped COVID for two years. Yeah, uh, I thought I better take one of these rapid tests. Yeah, and uh, the two lines came up. So, oh I'm my god, oh, shit! So you've got COVID? Absolutely. Can so we can we catch it? Guys. Can we catch it while you know while we're interviewing you? Well, I hope not. I hope not. Is this a first? Has anyone been interviewed with the COVID before? I reckon this is a first. No. Yeah, I don't think anyone. I can't can't remember. I can't remember, no. So you guys have got a scoop. Yeah, that's it. Oh, yeah, definitely, 100%. Like we didn't get you in the studio. Yeah. Because we wanted to do that. I probably wouldn't have told you. (laughs) 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 No, I would have told you. You I would have told you. You would have. So, so Tony, how long how long did you stay up at Alice Springs for? Because it's a pretty, it sounds like it's a pretty scary job. Well, it wasn't scary. It was just sort of like uh, it was unscary when I turned the radio station on. Yeah. Although I must say, one time I had the front door open, yeah, and, and a snake came into the. Street. What was it? A scrub python or a real snake? <laughs> all the way down through the, uh, you know, in between the, the, the hallway into the into the studio. Oh um, well, a lot of things happened up there. I remember one one day, Saturday it was, I was on air playing music, which I, I love doing. You know, there's mm-hmm. some songs that came out in 1982. Yeah. Whenever, whenever I hear those songs, they remind me of that time. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of them is Cold Chisel, Forever Now, because... Oh, uh, I love Forever Now, yeah. Great song. I, uh, I was on air, the, the doorbell rings on the front door, yeah. and... Uh, I uh, answer it, and it's Jimmy Barnes. No one told me that he was coming in for an interview. What, he actually came to the studio? Yeah, he came in for the studio because oh. uh, told you that we're playing yeah. at the, the Memorial Club up there, and uh, people might know or might not know, but Ian Moss, their wonderful guitarist, yeah. he's from Alice Springs. Oh, I didn't know that. I no. thought he said Yeah, so it was like a, a homecoming concert, and... Uh, oh. So they were promoting that. So I interviewed Jimmy Barnes and he gave me some tickets to go. So I went there, had a great night. But I was deaf for two weeks afterwards. That's how loud they were. <laughs> yeah, we had that. Chris, who was it? Chris Quinlan? Or, no, Tony Featherstone. He did a a, a tour with, yeah, he played with Jimmy, Jimmy Barnes. Yeah, cable player. Yeah, yeah. And he yeah, said it was very loud. I mean, I remember seeing Jimmy Barnes at university in 1970, 78. Yeah. No one knew, no one knew who they were. They mm. played at uh, some sort 
And then my aunties picked me up at Fodger train station, took me to our little town, which Tony Nardella would know. Have you been there, Tony? No, I haven't been, never been there. No. He's, a, he's an imposter. Don't, don't yeah, talk to him about I'm, it. I'm, yeah, I'm going to go before the COVID. Yeah. You'll, you'll know what I say here. Yeah. Yep, yep. We, we, uh, we, we drove the one hour from Fodger railway station mm-hmm. to San Marco in Lamas, which yeah. Lamas means Lame is Latin for swamp. So basically mm. it's... Marco in the swamp oh. is the uh, the name of the town, and I remember we were up on the road overlooking this town that my parents had told me so much about for mm. years. Yeah, and the sun was going down. It was just evening, and I remember thinking, "Gee, this is uh, I'm sort of home here." Yeah. And uh, go to this little stone house. It was like a Fred Flintstone house. There's about a hundred people there, all related to me, waiting for me to arrive. Mm. There's my mum's mother, my grandmother, the only grandparents still alive. She grabs me. Antoinette. Is that her? Antoinette. Nonna Antoinette. Yeah. She grabs me, hugs me. It's like, you know, she's squeezing the life out of me. It was quite... Never felt so loved in all my life. Anyway, all these people there, eventually they leave. It's just me and my grandmother. She gives me... I didn't pack any pyjamas or anything. Uh, she gives me my grandfather's pyjamas. <laughs> oh. yeah. So I put them on, and there I am in the bed, looking up at this concrete stone construction roof, whatever. Yeah, and yeah. I remember thinking, gee, my mum was born in this house. Oh, I'm, wearing yeah. my, I'm wearing my grandfather's pyjamas. So I, I really felt like I was home. Yeah. yeah. And then I spent four days meeting all the relatives, people I didn't know, you know, never, some of them I'd never heard of. Went to the cemetery, cardios everywhere. Yeah. I, I went with my uh, my dad's brother, he was alive then, Michele. He took me around, he goes, Guistolanda Gustotar, Guistolanda Sparad, Guistolanda, this guy died in a, in a, in a car fight. Yeah, some people were shot, some yeah. people died. Yeah. It, was, it was a pretty wild with town. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and some people just died, you know, people died young in those days. Yeah. You know, like, uh, well, I had an uncle, my dad's brother died at the age of 52. Yeah. Uh, he, he just died, he got a, he got an illness yeah. and died. My, my mum's brother, at the age of 27, yeah. he got an illness, got a sweat, and then he died. He ended up, he had tuberculosis. Mm, that was uh, that yeah. was treatable, Yeah. but he just didn't go to the doctor. That's yeah. what it was like. Mm. Well, they didn't have really many doctors and that, did they, in them days? Well, they had doctors, but yeah. they were on the farm. You know, the yeah. farm yeah. is like four or five kilometres away. And your father and was Paolo and mum's Grazia? Yeah, Paolo was my dad. My yeah. dad had an interesting story. Can I tell you about my dad? Yeah, he was in the World War Two, yeah? Yeah, he was. Yeah. Uh, he was born in 1917. Shit. Wow. He was the youngest boy of the family. Yeah. And as, as a result of that, I mean, like, he had... Uh, he had two or three brothers and four sisters. Yeah. All, all of them uh, older than him, bar one. The, yeah. the youngest sister was younger than him. Yeah. Um, uh, he didn't go to school. The others went to school. So my dad couldn't read or write because his father said they had a farm to look after. Yeah, come and work on the so farm. He, he didn't go to school. Yeah. Anyway, he looked after the animals when he was eight, nine, ten. He was young, very young. Yeah. He goes to do military service. Then the war breaks out. Then he gets captured by, uh, of all people, Australian soldiers. What? In the Battle of Bardia yeah. in Libya in 19... 
41, January of 1941. I can tell you the date as well. Mate, are you January. autistic or something? you got dates and numbers and, mate, yeah. you're I unbelievable. Reckon, I reckon I am autistic. Well, anyway, I reckon you are. He, he gets taken to South Africa to a yep. prison camp called Zonda Water. Yep. Now, when he was dying, because he died at the age of 94, yep. uh, mind you, he had smoked since the age of eight. Yeah. And eventually the cigarettes got him. Yeah. Uh, 94, that's talking. not bad. Well, yeah. In fact, in fact, he used to tell the story that cigarettes saved his life. <laughs> what? And I said, yeah, well, 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 how did they save your life? He said, when he was in the Second World War, yeah. he, his commanding officer asked him to uh, go to the camp, the other side of the camp where the stores were, yeah. and get cigarettes for everybody. When he was over there, they bombed where he come from. Oh. And they, they killed the commanding officer and a few other people. Uh, their bodies were so mangulated they had to pick them up with shovels, he said. Oh, so shit. when he said that, I said, no, you're right, cigarettes did save your life. You're right, you're right about that. Uh, anyway, so um, um, years later when he was dying, he was telling stories about this Sonder Water prison camp. Yeah. Then he died. After he died, I thought, oh, Google will see if this really exists or is he bullshitting? Anyway, on Google's on the water, there's a prison camp there. 108,000 Italian soldiers were mm. kept prisoners of war Shit. between 1941 and 1946. There's a museum there. There's yeah. a phone number. There's a guy called Emilio who looks after the museum. Yeah. So I, re I rang Emilio up and I said, my dad was Pablo on Fadio on the 2nd of February, 1970. And he goes, I'll look up the records. He sends me an email back a couple of weeks later saying, yeah, your dad arrived here, captured by Australian soldiers. He left uh, on this date. He didn't go to the hospital, so he was healthy. Uh, blah, blah, blah. And then he told me this story. He said, there's a lady that lives in Parkdale you should talk to. Her name is Patricia. Yeah. Her dad was an Italian prisoner of war. I ring up Patricia. She tells me her story. Her mother was a coloured lady. Yeah. Her dad was billeted out from the prison camp to work in one of the local farms. Yeah. He has a relationship with uh, the, the coloured lady. Yeah. And uh, Patricia is the result of that. But before Patricia's born, before the mum even knows that she's pregnant, yeah. the soldier, the, the war ended, the soldier went back to Italy. Oh. So but Patricia rings up Amelia, Amelia, because uh, she didn't know who her dad was until on her mum's deathbed. Oh. Yeah. Her mum tells mm. her he was an Italian prisoner of war called Giuseppe of all My dad's name, Giuseppe. Yeah. yeah. So Emilio goes all, all through the records and he finds the guy. What? what the... In Matera, in Basilicata. Are you feeding him? Oh. I'm feeding him. So Patricia goes back there anyway. The dad had died. The dad was already married before he went to war. Yeah. And he already had a, uh, a little daughter. Yeah. Uh, but by the time Patricia got there, dad had died. The guy's wife had died, so they knew nothing about it. So uh, anyway, Emilio says every now and then he gets a phone call from somebody. Yeah. And, and he says, can you search, because I think my dad's a, an Italian prisoner of war. And he reckons that 3,000 babies were born as a result of the 108,000 Italian prisoners of war that were kept inside the water for those five years. How's that? So, How's that, eh? Yeah, but, hey, how, how tall was your dad? Because 
back when he was conscripted, right, they were all, um, Yanni had to be about five foot tall because that's the, the king then at that time was only about, King Victoria <laughs> was only about five foot, yeah? So yeah, nearly everybody yeah. got conscripted. You see photographs of the king and some king from Finland, it's like, you know, watching Tony Libertore. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, sorry. Some six foot nine inch ruckman. Yeah, yeah that's that's the truth. Yeah. The only way you could get out of military service is if you were shorter than the king. Okay. The problem, <laughs> the problem is the king was only five foot four. Yeah, I know. Yeah. How's that? Wow. Oh. My dad was. He always said he was five foot eight. Okay. Yeah. But he wasn't, was he? No, he was five foot eight. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Okay. Well, you're six foot under, Tony. Oh, uh, I'm a with six foot. I'm five feet eleven and a half. Oh. With shoes on, I go up to six foot one. Hey, Tony. So your dad spent five years in a prison of war camp, yeah? Yeah. And then, yeah. and then, and I tell you, because he couldn't read or write. Yeah. All right. And uh, no one knew he was where he was because he couldn't write any letters. He didn't write any letters. He must have been embarrassed. To let yeah. People know yeah. That yeah. He couldn't read or write. So. Yeah. In San Marco, in Lamas, they didn't know whether he was dead or alive. Mm. Until what happened was a priest went to the camp yeah. and took all their names and addresses and it was broadcast on Italian radio that uh, they were alive. Oh. So his sister told the story that uh, when they were repatriated to go back to Italy and uh, he gets dropped off on the road above the same area where I was when I looked over, you know, down at the town when I went there uh, after the Commonwealth Games. Yeah. He gets dropped off there, walked down the road. The town was in uproar. It was like a scene from a movie. Kids coming out from everywhere. Yeah. He's alive. He's alive. Him and about two or three other guys came yeah. back all at the same yeah. time. Uh, yeah, then, then he met my mum. What? So in 1949, you've come to Australia. Is that true? Yeah, well, he met my mum. Yeah. Married her. Yeah, and my oldest brother, Luigi, who lives in Laylaw. Yeah. Mm. Nice Italian area, Laylaw. Yeah, yeah. Nice, yeah. And uh, my dad came in, in uh, October 1949. I've actually got the ship tickets, the uh, the third class uh, ship tickets. Yeah. For yeah. my dad when he left uh, and arrived in October 1949. Yeah. And then my mum and my brother came in... Uh, March or April 1955. So they were separated for uh, six years. Yeah, it's got the Werribee Whisperer put down this. He said, for some reason, mum and dad were separated for six years on the journey. Yeah, that's because um, my dad followed my mum's uncle out here. He came before the war. Okay. Uh, uncle Peter yeah. and uh, Uncle Peter. They're all farmers, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uncle Peter, uncle Peter was at Leeton. In Outback, New South Wales. Yeah. My dad followed him up there. 1952, you know how we've had floods in uh, Lismore and stuff yeah, in the yeah. last couple of weeks? Yeah. Well, Outback, New South Wales had a similar sort of biblical floods in 1952. Yeah. Uh, they, had to, they had to be uh, plucked off the roof of farmhouses by boats. That's how much rain had fallen. Yeah, just like and, now. Mm. Yeah, and so like three years into being here, he still had no money because they were wiped out. Oh, All their farm was wiped out. Yeah. So uh, he still didn't have any money. So then he goes up to Coffs Harbour and uh, big long story there. Eventually, he buys this tiny little house. Yeah. Two doors down from the railway line. 
in Clark Street, Northcote, 115 Clark Street. If you, mm. want to, if you ever want to go past there at some stage. Very good with numbers, it's, Tony. It, it's the tiniest little house yeah. that you'll ever see. You know, I went there a couple of years ago. There was an auction. That house is worth one point two million dollars. What? Yeah. 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 I took my mum there when they were selling it once. And yeah. She said, "Oh, your bassinet was here. This is where we had yeah. this. This yeah. is where we had that." Yeah. And a train happened to go past. Seriously, the train was like it felt like it was going right through the lounge room. Yeah. <laughs> That's how close it was yeah. to the rail line. Yeah. But she reckons you get used to it. You don't even think about it. It's just, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You, you just get used to it. Tony, as a child, but didn't you live on a banana plantation? You, didn't your your dad own a couple? Yeah, well, my my dad worked at the gas and fuel, but he never liked to work for anybody. He liked to be his own boss. Yeah. So, uh, nineteen early nineteen sixty sixty one sixty two, we go up to uh, Coffs Harbour. Yeah. Well, we go to this little place called Crosma Glen, which is south of Coffs Harbour. Yeah. And uh, we buy we buy a farm. Uh, in uh, half each with another family because we didn't have enough money to buy the farm yeah, and they didn't yeah. have enough money. Yeah. So together we bought the farm. Yeah. The trouble is we were all living in the same house. Oh. And it was a tiny little house. Yeah. And there were too many people and before long there were like uh, problems and fights and stuff like that. And uh, one time they commandeered the bathroom, the outdoor bathroom. They kept commandeering the outdoor bathroom. Yeah. Every night, every night, every night, every night. My mum got sick of it. Yeah. One day she just exploded. She goes to the wood heap. We had a wood heap there. Gets, she gets the axe, starts screaming and swearing and carrying on, runs down toward the door of the bathroom and with the axe bangs down the door. Oh, my God, she's crazy. Yeah, they, they, they call the police. The police come. You've got to understand, we're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Around us is all these, like, you know, Australian families. We were the only Italian family living in this tiny Spot little the house. Mm, yeah. And we're killing each other. Yeah, yeah. So the police come. He says, look, what you've got to do is, you have that side of the farm. You, all have that side of the farm. When you finish paying it off, one of you buy the other out. As far as the house goes, put a bit of furniture in between the door. You have the front, you have the back. <laughs> and we live like that in a state of Israel and Palestine for three years. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. And then, uh, then we paid off the farm. We, we sold it to them. They yeah. still own it, actually. I went oh. to see them in 2010, yeah? 50 years after this shit happened. Did they remember you? I went to see Leo and Michelina. Michelina was my dad's cousin, so they were family. Oh, but shit. the two families never spoke to each other for 50 years. It was like... Uh, yeah, families do that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I remember, the, the lady had Alzheimer's, but she remembered me. How? Oh, my God. She was saying. Yeah, so then we, then we bought another farm yeah. at Moon Beach. And uh, we were there for uh, until 1973 and uh, uh, worked in, in the banana plantation, you know. We, we, I tell the story all the time. We had snakes come into the house. What, what sort of snakes? Brown snakes. Carpet snakes. Oh, I say they were pythons. Yeah, pythons. Yeah. Oh, I remember once we had a cat called Ginger. Uh, I've oh. told this story on the Italian radio. Oh. Ginger went missing. Where the hell's Ginger? Oh, no poor Ginger. Ginger. 
we put the food out for ginger, no ginger, four months. Yeah. Anyway, we, we had a water tank there because we didn't have town water. Yeah. My dad's checking the level of the water and he's banging on the side of the corrugated iron tank. Yeah. He couldn't see how much water was there, so he decided to lift the lid off the yeah. big tank. There's ginger floating on top of the water. What? I thought the snake swallowed her. Well, she drowned. He drowned and oh. he was in the water. All, oh. all cats were laying atop of, you know, poor ginger and poor us because we were drinking that water. I know, us. that's disgusting. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> that's terrible. Yeah, that's how tough we were. You were voted most famous person to come out of Layla. Is that true? Beating Chopper Reed. Yeah, <laughs> oh, my God. You're, you're more famous than Chopper Reed. It was a poll undertaken on 3AW on the Tom Elliott show. Yeah? There was, oh, yeah. There was me, Chopper Reed, yeah. and Anthony Kudafidis, and I beat them both. Oh, come on, Anthony should have won that. I'm a town supporter. <laughs> no, thank you for your confidence. No, just, no worries, Danny. Who do you follow? Carlton. Ah, see? Oh, Us bombs, we stick yeah. together. Enjoy, yeah, well, enjoy while you can. I enjoy while My son, my, my whole family followed Carlton. You know? mm, yeah. We didn't really uh, follow ASL back in the banana plant. I, I fell in love with cricket, you know. Mm. The reason I love radio is because of the farm and because of cricket because yeah. when you live in the middle of nowhere it's not like you can go to your friend's house down the road because yeah. your yeah. friend's house is miles away yeah. mm. you know so you, you have to make your own sort of fun and you live in your own little life and uh, I, I used to love the little transistor radio because I'd, I'd listen to the cricket from yeah. England and the cricket here at the MCG and whatever and uh, I was just fascinated spin me out how can I listen yeah. to this guy talking from Lord yeah, yeah. And, I, and I'm listening to it in real time. Wow. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's just been there like it's amazing technology. Well, now, now, now everyone takes it for granted. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You can, actually, you can actually be on a in a phone talking to a phone in San Marco in Lamas. And uh, I, actually, I remember I was watching the um, the Italian cycling. You know, the Giro d'Italia. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. And, and I was on the phone to my cousin. It was on the side of the road in San Marco in Lamas. As the bikes went through the main street, <laughs> I was watching it live on television here. Oh that's, uh, that's how amazing technology is now. Yeah. That's about two or three years ago. You were awarded the uh, Italian knighthood in 2021. Time what? Signed by the Italian president. What? How'd that yeah. come about? Why would you get a bloody knighthood in Italy? <laughs> hey? <laughs> People have been asking me that question. You know what well, the answer is? I can't give you the answer. I... Well, why? Why? Tell me. I don't know. All I know is that the consul general who was here at the time, Pierre Luigi, was a good guy. Yeah. And uh, I used to do all his MC work whenever he wanted something done. You know, like like a function or something. I used to do it. And uh, one day I was walking through Carlton. Yeah. And he rings me up. He goes, uh, "We're going to give you." Uh, we're going to make you a cavaliere. And I go, well, Jesus. Okay, thank you. This was before COVID. Yeah. And then COVID hit, so it took a long time before I actually got it, which I got it in December last year. Why? At a big, at a big function at Crown Casino in the Avery there, up the top there. There was me, there was Lily D'Ambrosio, the uh, government minister, yeah. and there was Tony, Tony Nicolini, who uh, owns Stock Peaks. We, we all three of us got it at the same time. 
Oh, I was pretty proud of that, even though mm. I, I, don't, I, I don't know why I got it. And I, I don't think I actually deserve it, but I, I, I thought, well, you know, my dad, my dad really deserved it because he spent five years in a prison. Yeah, yeah. He didn't even go to school. I used to say to him, you know, what were you fighting for? They didn't even send you to school. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but you do what you have to do. You do what you have to do. That's what they were forcing him. He was cannon fodder, like what you got now in... Ukraine and Russia, just yeah. the young soldiers, they cannon fodder. Yeah, yeah, that's terrible. I mean, yeah. I, you know how you were saying before about the transistor, how you used to listen to the cricket, and that's that's how you got into the radio and all that stuff, yeah? Yeah, yeah, Did well, you... what happened was then, then um, a guy from the Salvation Army Ooh. started up this youth radio station in Coffs Harbour yeah. called uh, Coffs Harbour Youth, C-H-Y. Yeah. And uh, I left, but I, I actually managed to go into this studio. And they built this little makeshift studio, two stories. It was just no bigger than a toilet, really, you know, like an upstairs and downstairs. And when I got into that studio behind the microphone and I did like a, an audition, yeah. I thought, I love this. This is fantastic. Mm-hmm. So I come down to Melbourne, listen to radio stations all over the place. Always loved it, you know. Uh, and uh, I used to hang around outside for you there in 45 Bird Street for, for someone to come out. No one ever came out, but you know, I used to want to go in there, get enough courage to go in there, but I never did. Mm. And uh, then one day I thought, I used to actually be, I'd be pushing trolleys in at Safeway Label there, and I'd be commentating to myself. <laughs> well, collecting any the chance, dollars. Yeah, any chance I got, I'd get on the microphone, oh, yeah, you know, like... Uh, uh, we've got uh, cheap bananas, cheap this, oh, cheap yeah, that, yeah, cheap yeah. whatever. Yeah. You know, so oh, no, that's the sort of stuff I used to do. Mm. We used to have this um, secret code. It was called Service 37. Right, you get on the microphone and you say, Service 35 to the deli end of the store, which meant someone had to go out and get trolley. Yeah. Bring them in. Yeah. No one used to go. None of the red coats, the kids would go. Yeah. But, but if I said service 37 in the call fake aisle, 15 of them go all in one second. Because <laughs> service 37 meant there was a pretty girl in the Yeah, I'm say. They talk about pretty girls. You interviewed Sophia Loren. Sophia Loren? Yes, Sophia Loren. I, I spoke oh to her in my diet, in my, in my Pugetti dialect, and she laughed and laughed and laughed. Well, she thought it was a, what, did you actually meet her? Hey? What, was it face-to-face? Well, I didn't meet her face-to-face, but it was before she came out. She was at home in uh, wherever she was. I think she lived in Switzerland, so I, I spoke to her on the phone. Oh, oh okay. I, I, was, I, was only, I only had 10 minutes, but I think she liked me because she spoke to me for 20 minutes. Oh. And she asked me all about me and whatever, because I spoke to her in my dialect, and I think she liked that too, because yeah. she's from Naples. Oh, Napoletana. Napoletana. Yeah, she comes from Potswali, which is a little seaside area near Naples, which I went to uh, in 2016 or 2017. Anyway, she comes out to uh, Crown Casino. Yeah. And uh, I went up there and introduced myself. She was sitting down. And uh, she said, oh, you're the Pugliese guy. Yes, I remember you. Oh, my God. so she, she remembered me. Wow. And, you know, I, in those days, I used to do some MC work for the Carl Ponians. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, the Carl Tony. Yeah, I know. I know the Carl Tony. Of course we do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on this particular night, when I was going to go meet, uh, when I was going to go meet Sophia Loren, was a Saturday, and I was going to meet her on Saturday night with with, with five hundred other people. How old was she? I was, sort, I was sort of bragging to the crowd, saying, "Oh, I'm going to go meet Sophia Loren tonight. Look how good it is here." And where there was a guy sitting there called Sam Parasha. I never. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. No. Nah. He's uh, the richest uh, Italian. He's worth 1.4 billion. If you uh, oh, anyway, shit. comes up to me and he goes, "She was at my place last night." What? <laughs> she had she had dinner at his house, so he dropped me. All I was going to do was meet her, but yeah. he had her at dinner at his place. How, how old was she? Oh, she uh, was in her eighties. Yeah, but was she still looking beautiful oh, and glamorous? Oh, could still walk, and she knew everything that was. things that the Werribee Whisperer wrote about you? Yeah. He wrote down, uh, he, we've already know about the Italian knighthood and all that sort of stuff, but he said, has a good sense of humour. One example is about Sweden sending equipment to U- Ukraine. Hopefully it won't need to be put together with an LMK. <laughs> <laughs> has an encyclopedic memory. Wow. Has found, has, has a good spaghetti marinara recipe. Ooh. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's on the it's on it's on internet, not Instagram. It's on the internet. My 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 spaghetti marinara recipe and my osso bocca recipe. Osso bocca. What's so good about yours? It's mine. That was good. (laughs) Yeah, but why is it so good? Why? Because he put a big thing. Uh, Oh well, I don't know. I just I gave it out one day because Tom Elliott's a pie and chips man. You know, got no idea. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Pizza. When I when I when I give him something like this, like uh, it, 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 it's like I'm from the moon, I'm from another planet, because he just doesn't <laughs> understand it. But people listening, they make it and they love it. Yeah, you know? yeah. And then they finally think because when we lived in Cosmo Glen, we used to have an Australian uh, couple next door to us, yeah. Jack and Eileen Nielsen. This is when we were in the state of war with the other family. Yeah. And uh, Jack would would smell my mum's cooking and he'd come over, Mrs. Tadia, what's for dinner tonight? <laughs> and he stayed, he stayed, he stayed. Yeah. My mum would, would feed him and his family, you know, because yeah. he'd yeah. never he'd never eaten food like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. we used to have all the Aussies too come over. Yeah. But, um, you know, we used to take my mum's cooking for granted because we didn't think it was in fact we didn't like it, we yeah. didn't to be honest. Yeah, with yeah we all yeah. but Tony but, but, but Tony, what about all your friends and that? Because all the Aussies, they, they couldn't believe we used to have, like, wine and beer and stuff like that mm. at, the, at the dinner table. They'd go, what, we're going to have the Sabaras to have dinner. Oh, yeah, they're offended. The little kids drink a little, a little sip of wine. Yeah, you know, I know. It's, it's offensive for them. They you know? mix it with I, lemonade. I remember, <laughs> I remember my, when my mum went to Italy in 1969, Yeah. My, she went for three months. My dad used to make our sandwiches. And we used to get, like... Um, I went in 1969 too. 
with my dad. Yeah. Yes. When Neil Armstrong walked on the moon, yes. my mum was in Italy. Yeah, me right. too, me too. So in fact, uh, I remember coming home the day, watching Neil Armstrong um, on the moon, I remember coming home and my dad was building this uh, this brick staircase yeah. at the front of the house. Yeah. And my dad really wasn't the best uh, concrete or anything like that. Uh, the walls weren't struck in. Yeah. And I remember thinking, this is going to last five minutes. <laughs> it, was about, it was about eight stairs going all the way up to the front of the house. It, it wasn't straight. Yeah. Anyway, I went back. You know, 2010. Mate, the thing's still there. Oh. It hasn't moved in 50 years. Oh, shit. So even though it wasn't straight, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, what, what was I saying? Um, oh, about food and stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Kids would be swapping their sandwiches. Yeah. Uh, you know, their little uh, sliced bread. Yeah. With but, butter. Yeah. And hundreds of hundreds thousands. Hundreds and thousands. I used to, I used to want my mum to do that. Tomato sauce sandwiches. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'd have like, I'd have a big, big ciabatta roll sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, with cheese and olives and mortadella. Well, with, yeah. with peppers, you know. Yeah. Oh, oh pepper and chin. I love these. Pepper is good. Pepper is good. Cheese. I remember one kid going, eh, hey, daddy, uh, your lunch smells like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we used to cop that all the time. Yeah. Uh, Tony, we, we could talk all day, mate. We've got to wind it up. Um, oh. But I just want to ask you about your, the podcast with Darren Hinch. And I've got to ask you one more question after yeah. that. All right, go. Yeah, well, yeah. We, we do the podcast. I've been doing it now for two years. So right. I uh, quite enjoy it. It's more about Darren than about mm. me. But every now and then I, I put my two bobs with it. You know, you, you, Tony wouldn't know, but... Darren Hinch had a chauffeur and a housekeeper in the 1980s. What? Yeah. One day I was at the San Marco in Lamas Club. Yeah. And this couple come up to me and go, where's Darren Hinch's chauffeur and uh, his housekeeper? Tony Volani and his wife uh, work for Darren Hinch. And I said to Darren, they're from our town. Oh, my God. That's how small the world is. Yeah. Hey, uh, so we, we talk about all sorts of stuff. Uh, you know, Darren, Darren's been everywhere. He knows everyone. Yeah. He was uh, he was he was at Cape Canaveral with Neil Armstrong. He, he was there with that pool of journalists. You might see a video of uh, Neil Armstrong and the guys carrying their their airbags and stuff, all dressed in white with their with their helmets on. And Darren was there. A big bus. Well, Darren was there, right there. He was yeah, look, I spoke to Darren Hinch to, to be on our podcast. He said, no, no, no. And I said, oh, we're going to get Tony Tardy on. He goes, oh, if he goes on the show, then I'll go on the show. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> oh, you're full of shit. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. we've got to send him the, the link, you know, and he'll, he'll, he'll hopefully Tony, be on. Tony, I've got to ask you one more question before you go, if that's all right. Yeah, it's all right. Well, because the, the Werribee Whisperer, he gives me a heap of stuff. Do we do like Oh, I can't. We can't give his name oh, over no, the no, thing. No. Maybe later on we might we might give you. All our money, all our money, all our money. Have you been to jail? Yes, he sounds yes. like the sort of guy that has been in jail. He has, he has, yes. He yeah. broke no, out no, a couple no. of times. No, 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 I don't think he has. No. Anyway, um, you know how we were talk, talking about the transistor and stuff? I thought this was a beautiful touch because you, you had a you had an Italian program on Pete or Reeds or something like Reta, that. Reta, Reta Italia. Reta Italia. Yeah, and, your, and, your dad, and your dad used to love it and he used to... Listen to it all the time. Yeah. And is it true that you put in a little transistor in his casket so we can still yeah. listen to you? Yeah. I thought that was Let beautiful. Let me just tell the story. I used to go to have a, I used to go and visit him every Friday night. Yeah. All right. 
Uh, and then I'd, I'd have a cigarette with him, you know. Um, I'm, I was a terrible boy, you know. He used to buy the cigarettes. And you I'd used to smoke. Them. Yeah. I, ne- I never used to buy them, not because I didn't want to spend the money, but because I didn't want to smoke them, you know. Yeah. I knew if I bought a packet, I'd smoke the yeah. whole packet, and I didn't want to do that. And I'd pay anyway, better. Anyway. We'd have a cigarette, and he'd tell me all about what was going on at VT, hardly a blah, 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 and all that. Yeah. And I thought, he'd get a kick out of me being on the Italian station. So, anyway, I'm... Something happened, and I managed to get on the Italian station. And uh, for three years before he died, I used to love it. He'd laugh because I, I talked broken Italian. Yeah. I knew if I made him laugh, everybody would be laughing. Yeah. So, yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, when he died, we got his little transistor radio, and we put it on fifteen ninety three AM, which was the frequency for Reti Italia. Yeah. We put yeah. it in his casket, and we buried him. Yeah. A couple of years later, in fact, about two or three years ago, yeah. Betty Parry sold the frequency to uh, Craig Hutchison and SBN, and he puts horse racing then out on More people like Tony Taylor, less people like you. Oh, you're funny. <laughs> never funny, uh, ever. That's Tony, not, never jump funny. Ralph Dardella. And I'm going to go to the I'm going to go as loud as I can to try and piss your neighbours off. Mate, what I'm going to do, I'm going to buy a gun. What? Next episode, I'm going to buy a gun. What for? You got a yeah, pot gun? Yeah, what are you going to uh, get? Slug gun, the old slug yeah, gun. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll remember the slug I'll gun. I'm going to mark a place, Facebook today, and yeah, I'll tell you what, yeah. I'll get that. I'll get that, and next minute, bang, you're going to go, mate. Because oh, I'm sick of it. Wait. Okay, so we'll see you next time on Shotgun.